My message is titled, How to Be a First-Class Hypocrite. Yesterday, I was at a shopping center, which I hate to be at, but my family coerced me, and uh, I was there, and they were in a store, and I was out anxiously awaiting for them to get along the way so we could get going. And some people bumped into me, and uh, they're from this church, and we had a moment of sharing, and they said, so tomorrow we're going to learn about a hypocrite, huh? I said, yes. said, they're reading the mail. Uh, I don't know what you've expected today. I really don't. But hang on to your seat. I have never heard anybody preach a sermon about a hypocrite. So you know this sermon is mine. I haven't read one, nor have I ever heard one. But when I got into this, I was amazed at how much scripture there is about hypocrites. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. Luke 6, 46, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whoever or whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them. Now there's where the word obedience comes from, which is on the back of your bulletin. Obedience, that's what Jesus wants. And doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man who built an house and dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when a flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation, built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. The end of a hypocrite. That whole message there is about a hypocrite. What happens to a hypocrite? These other verses, such as Ecclesiastes 12:13, here is my final conclusion, Fear God, obey his commandments, for this is the entire duty of man. Obey God. 1 John 2, 4, whoever says, I know him, but does not practice obedience to his commands is a liar, and there is no truth in his heart. What is a hypocrite? The Bible, or I mean the dictionary, simply says a person who pretends to be what he is not. A person who pretends to be what he is not. Now, in Job 27, 8, Job asks the question, what is the hope of the hypocrite? What would your answer be? Job answers the question in chapter 8, verse 13, with these words, the hypocrite's hope shall perish. It's like the house Jesus talked of in Luke 6. It will fall. There is no hope for the hypocrite. Isn't that something? One who pretends to be what he is not. Now, open your Bible to Matthew 6, and then to Matthew 23. Let me show you what Jesus said about hypocrites. In verse 2 of chapter 6, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Verse 5, 
And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. Don't be, or don't do as the hypocrites do, and don't be as the hypocrites are. Then down to verse 16, Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. Then in the 23rd chapter, there are seven references to hypocrites. All in the same wording. Verse 13, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse 14, same word. Verse 15, same word. Verse 23, same word. Verse number 25, same word. Verse 27, same word. Verse 29, same word. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Who were the scribes and Pharisees? Church people. The religious crowd. If I were to paraphrase it, and this is why I said hang on to your seats, it would come out like this. Woe unto you Sunday morning, Christian. You love me, don't you? You know, when I got into this thing and saw how God feels about hypocrites, it scared me. Because I will be accountable before God for your soul if I allow you to go on as a hypocrite. Someone who pretends to be what he is not. So if you're going to be a disciple of the Lord, you have to be true blue. You can't be a hypocrite. You can't say one thing and be doing another. You have to build your house on a solid foundation. The world is looking for reality in religion. Did you know that? Too much sham in the church as far as the world is concerned. Too much disobedience. We don't live up to our creeds. Obedience is lacking. We don't practice what He tells us. As someone has put it, we don't practice what we preach. That's what this is all about. Sometimes I feel... The world looks at us like this little preacher's son who had his mother say to him one day, Son, go wash the dirt off your hands. There are germs living in all that dirt. He refused and complained in his refusal in this way. He said, Germs in Jesus. Germs in Jesus. That's all I ever hear around this house, and I've never seen either one of them. I really believe that's the way the world sees us many times. I wonder if that isn't the way some of your friends have observed the church and maybe your Christianity, my Christianity. They want to see Jesus. They need to see Jesus. And it is our responsibility to show them Jesus. And how do we do that? By obedience to His command. By being faithful to him. So how can we overcome the trap of hypocrisy? I have three things to share with you this morning. How to be a first class hypocrite. First of all, refuse to walk in truth. Refuse to walk in the revelation of God. You'll be a first class hypocrite. First John 1 7 says, we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. 
This is our calling. Walk in the truth of God's Word. Now, I have some real concerns as a pastor in the 20th century, getting close to the 21st century. Some real compromises that I observe in the lives of Christians. One of them is in the area of sex and marriage. We are dealing constantly with people who have the idea that God didn't mean what he said. They're different. Now, I have a word for it. It's hypocrisy. We have people who come to church, and I thank God they're in church, who think it's all right to sleep with whoever they want to outside of marriage. And they can still come and call themselves a Christian. That is not what a Christian does. That's what a worldling does. Now in the senior citizen set on the news this week, it is more and more to be found that senior citizens are living together outside of marriage so they can both get their check. So they just bypass the marriage and move in and get both that's not Christian we have young people who think that it is alright to try it before you sign the dotted line that's not what a Christian does that is not building on a solid foundation Thank God for our great singles program, but once in a while a wolf comes in amongst the sheep looking for a take. And we're always guarding against it. And if you think you're going to slip in unnoticed and undetected, my friend, let me tell you the Holy Spirit has eyes and he has servants. And you're not going to get by with it. It's hypocrisy and it's S-I-N-Sin. And you might as well label it that way right now. Because that's what it is. Compromise. I have a great concern about business people and honesty in business. The business world says you cannot be a successful businessman without cheating. You have to have a certain amount of dishonesty in in the world today in order to survive. That is what the world would say, but that's not what God says. That's hypocrisy. That's pretending to be something and not living it. And all of you business people today here live by the truth. The truth will set you free. Dishonesty binds you in knots. Be free in God. Be honest. Live your life. Conduct your affairs according to the truth. Walk in the light as he is in the light. I have a great concern about this thing of pleasure madness that's all around us. Everybody seeking a kick. We've got to have a kick. We've got to have release from the pressures of life so we'll... We will compromise in order to get it. The Christian doesn't belong in the bar 
The Christian doesn't belong on the boat on the Lord's day and running away from responsibility. A Christian belongs in God's house serving God, fellowshipping with God's people, being fair with the family. There is a great danger of compromising with devotion and pleasure. And I put it under the heading of hypocrisy. People exchange a birthright for a mess of pottage like Esau of old. And what a sad exchange. The Pharisees in Jesus' time felt they could supplant or twist the scripture or the words of Jesus. They were playing little gods. And Jesus spoke to them, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! And if you look down to the end of the chapter, you'll see their end. It was damnation, separation from God in no uncertain terms. It was lostness. Hypocrites. What happens when the compromise stance is taken? Well, the hypocrite blows his horn and yells, but the walls of Jericho don't fall down. They stand up. They don't have any supernatural reaction. When that stance is taken, his favorite verse becomes, Now abideth faith, hope, and charity, and the greatest of these is criticism. That's his motto. He is the elder brother who, when the happy father is killing the fatted calf, putting the ring of sonship on the prodigal's finger, and draping his back with a beautiful robe, he is pouting and fuming in jealousy over in the corner. He is the president of the royal order of breast beaters, saying, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are. What did the Lord call them? Fools, blind guides, hypocrites. They would not walk in truth. The church in the book of Acts was a radiant fellowship. Wherever truth is, wherever Jesus is, there will always be a clamoring throng. A crowd of people, because the truth liberates. But we don't like to walk in truth. We like to pick our own way, pick and choose. But friends, the truth brings deliverance. Hypocrisy brings bondage. No happiness, no freedom, no joy. You have to walk in truth. A first-class hypocrite refuses to walk in truth and revelation. The second thing is that to be a first-class hypocrite, you refuse to walk in holiness. What effect will the word have on us as we look at the truth and absorb the truth? What does it do to us? Have you ever thought about what the word of God, how important it is in your life just to hear it? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Perhaps I could illustrate it with something I discovered this week. A certain market research interviewer was in a supermarket wanting to interview people about their choice of bread. This gentleman picked up a loaf of Wonder Bread, and this interviewer stepped up to him with a microphone and said, Sir, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions about your choice of bread? Well, he said, No, it would be all right. So he said, The question I'd like to ask is this. Do you feel that your choice of Wonder Bread has been at all influenced by their advertising program? 
He immediately replied, well, no, not at all. I'm not influenced by that sort of thing one bit. Well, then the second question was, well, could you tell me why you did choose Wonder Bread? His reply was classic. He said, why, of course I can. It's simple because it builds strong bodies eight ways. I didn't affect him a bit. Truth permeates. We begin to do things automatically. That's what happens with the things of God. We become separated from the world and a pure life evolves when the truth permeates our being. Not only to read it, listen to it on tape. I was talking to one of our friends in church the other day about our reading program, he says, I not only read it from the Word, but I turn it on a tape recorder when I'm going to sleep, so it's playing in my ear when I go to sleep, and it plays till the end of the tape. That's beautiful. Joseph kept his honor because of truth. He lived the life through obedience. It was no problem for Joseph when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He simply ran, leaving his coat in her hands, because that was the nature of Joseph. The truth was in his heart. It was not difficult for him to run, because God's truth was implanted in him, and holiness emerged. I have a minister friend back toward the East Coast who was telling me about a time early in his ministry when a woman in his church said to him one day, Pastor, would you please come with me to the hospital to visit two women? And he was about to respond affirmatively. When the Holy Spirit spoke to his heart, he heard it inside of him, don't go with her. So he refused to go. Later, he heard a rumor going through town that he had had an intimate relationship with that woman. The chief of police stopped him on the street one day and said, Reverend, I want you to know that we believe you're a man of God. We believe in you, not in that woman. He then learned that she had propositioned every single man in that church. How did he escape? Truth. Living the life, walking in the Spirit, not living for the flesh because the devil will make sure you're dropped into positions of testing and trial. But if the truth is alive and you're walking not hypocritically but honestly before God, you have a hedge about you that the devil cannot penetrate. Hallelujah. Joseph found it to be true. Can you be trusted? Joseph could. He lived up to his testimony. He had a heart to serve the Lord. There's a great ending to the story in the Bible. You've read it. We've preached about it before. But let me remind you of what the Word says about Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph and caused everything he did to prosper. Because he was not seduced. He refused to do it the way the world does it. It would have been easy for him to say, well, I'm here to serve Potiphar. 
I'm here as a servant in his household. If this is what his wife wants, then I suppose it would be all right. That's the way many people think. But he knew because of truth in his heart, in his innermost being. And he ran from it. There's one statement in the Psalms that I take exception to. Well, that's the neat thing about the Bible. It shows man just the way he is. And it's the statement of David after his great sin. When he said, against thee only have I sinned, Lord. You know that's not true. When you're hypocritical and you don't live the life that you profess, there is a string of violations and trust. Your companion, if you're married, is violated. Your children are violated. Your friends are violated. The congregation of God is violated. God is violated. You are violated. David was not right when he said against the only have I sinned. He sinned against his wife. He sinned against his children. He sinned against the kingdom that he was the leader over. There is a wake of destruction in hypocritical living. When you refuse to be holy as God is holy, hypocrites find it easy. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.22, something I want to say strongly to this whole fellowship today, keep thyself pure. Paul wrote it to this young man in the faith, keep thyself pure, walk in honesty and integrity before God and before the world. Keep thyself pure. You be trusted in a world that is going headlong down a trail of immorality and sin and debauchery when there is so much pornography and X-rated this and X-rated that and compromise here and business things here and business things there that compromise the truth of God's Word. Are you living honestly and rightly before God and before men? A walk of holiness. The third thing you want to be a first-class hypocrite is to refuse to walk in love. There are three areas that we need to walk in love. One is toward God. The, the other is toward people. The third is toward ourselves. First of all, we need to walk in love toward God. It comes back to this thing of obedience where God says, if you love me, what are you going to do? Keep my commandments. And he said there that the commandments are not burdensome or in the King James Version, grievous. Now, I hear these people from time to time saying, oh, how hard it is to be a Christian. No, it isn't. Where did you ever go to Sunday school? Where did you learn that it was hard to be a Christian? Whoever told you that? That's not right. It's hard to be a sinner. The way of the transgressor is hard. The Christian life is easy. If it's the Christian life. Every organ in your body is a Christian organ. Every bit of your anatomy is made to be Christian. It functions beautifully in a Christian way. Your liver... Your heart. Everything functions in a Christian way. It was made that way. That's why we're not to defile this body. It's a Christian body. But we defile it by our 
unfaithfulness, our disobedience. So it malfunctions. All kinds of problems develop because we refuse to have this walk of love toward God in obedience. We disobey and all kinds of malformities develop. We are to love him by keeping his commandments. Then we're to love people. Galatians 6.10 says, Do good to all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. It's just incredible to me that there could be backstabbers in the church. People who say things about other people in the family of God to destroy their character. I don't understand that. I know the Bible says, Beware of your tongue. It's like an adder. It's a deadly serpent. It's like the bridle of a horse, guides the whole horse, but it's very small. We are supposed to love people. Anything else is hypocritical. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Church, I'm saying to you today, we don't have an option. We have to love one another. Love is of God. You can't have any enemies in the family of God. The world looks at us and says, look at there, they can't even get along with each other. How sad. We're to love one another even as we have been loved. The name Sundar Singh may not mean anything to you, but Sundar was a great servant of God. And there are numbers of writings about him, and one of the stories about Sundar Singh was of him traveling with a companion in the Himalayan mountains one time, when they came across the body of a person along the path, and Sundar wanted to stop and aid him, but his companion said, we can't afford to do that. We will die if we aid him, and so they separated. Sundar stayed, and his friend went on in the mountains. Sundar picked this man up and literally put him on his back and began to carry him down the trail. Great exertion it took for him to carry this man on his back. But because of the exertion, the heat of Sundar's body built up to a tremendous level until it revived the man who had been frozen who was on his back. And soon he got off of his back and was walking side by side with Sundar Singh. In a little while, they came across the companion, frozen to death on the mountain. I read that part of Sundar's life, and I thought how true Jesus was when he said, if you lose your life, you'll find it. In the process of being willing to lose his life, he found his life, and really that of another. He loved. Now, friends, let me encourage you to get things squared away. You don't have to come to church and hide around the corner for fear somebody's going to talk to you that you don't like or you've got something against. Get that out of the way. In the name of the Lord, that's so destructive. You've got to have love one toward another, have fellowship one with another. As you walk in the light, it's a hypocritical thing to hide in the church. It's God dishonoring and displeasing. And God cannot bless it.
love one another. Let us somehow deal with this thing of criticism and complaining that often permeates the church. I thank God for the unity we have and the love we have, but from time to time, I hear about this and about that, and most of the time it's so untrue and so ungodly, it's incredible. And I wonder, how could it ever begin? How could it ever be said, even if it was true? Why are we talking about it? Why aren't we praying and loving one another through the problem instead of going around spreading the venom of it? That's hypocritical. That's building on sand and not on solid rock. God deals with the hypocritical spirit. Do you love God? Do you love one another? And Do you love his church? Do you love yourself? You're part of the church. Do you love this gathering of people here at Capital Christian Center? Does your heart burn during the week for the fellowship of God's people? Do you look forward to it more than anything else in your week? That's the way it ought to be. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. There's a rather free spirit that is developed in our time over the local church. All of us understand what polygamy is, the possession of more than one wife. But do you know what spiritual polygamy is? We're living in an era of spiritual polygamy. People who run from church to church just looking for the specials. It's like the supermarket ads. They won't tie down anywhere. They won't give their tithe anywhere. They're going to be a free spirit. I know people in my five years here at Capital Christian Center who have been in no less than four congregations in five years. They didn't like it here because we started talking about a building program and they saw money floating out of their pocketbook. And then they went to another church and they started talking about a building program, so they went to another church. And there they wanted them to get involved and they didn't want to be involved, so they went to an... Isn't that incredible? No wonder we have such weak people in our time, people who are not grounded and rooted in God. We need to love the church like a husband loves his wife in an uncompromising, faithful manner. We are to love God, love each other, love the church, love ourselves enough to give ourselves to the local church in a dynamic, faithful way that will build the kingdom of God worldwide. Do you know the kingdom can be no stronger than the local church? When the local church fails, the kingdom has failed all over the world. Settle down. You stay long enough, you'll get a covering of the whole Bible. You'll get teaching on everything that's in here. There is available for you every opportunity to grow and develop. Stability prevents hypocrisy. So don't be a first-class hypocrite. Finally, as I put the caboose on here, I open to the book of Revelation and I read about a judge in Revelation who has flaming eyes. You've read about it. His eyes are as a flaming fire. What does that mean? That nothing escapes him. Your attitude will not escape him. Your ways will not escape him. He has eyes like a fire and they burn. Nobody will escape the eyes of the judge. You know what I would prefer? Walking in a straight line in truth. 
in holiness, in love now, than to someday be ushered into the presence of this judge with flaming eyes and his eyes just unmask every attitude and every deed of my life. How sad it would be in that moment if we pretended to be something we were not. But it will be if we don't come to grips with hypocrisy. It had been thought that after the death of Walt Disney, the pressures in the Disney studio would ease up because he was a driver. He had visions and dreams, and he insisted on certain quality. But about one year after Walt Disney died, a memo was sent to all department heads in the Disney studios to come to the screening room. All the executives arrived on time and sat in their places, their designated seats. When they were all there, the lights dimmed, and on the screen appeared Walt Disney sitting behind his desk, speaking to each one of them, calling them by name. Walt Disney was demanding an account of their project since his death. Isn't that ingenious? Gave me an idea. Every one of them called them by name. What about your project? What about this accountability? It blew them away. And then when he finished, Walt Disney looked at every one of them and said, Remember, I'm going to see you again. That sounded rather familiar to me. Wondering where I heard that, where have I read that? He believed in the hereafter. I'll tell you, those executives walked out of that room with a renewed sense of responsibility. That is my pastor's prayer today in this service, that we'll walk out of here with a great sense of accountability. If we're going to be a great church and a great people, we've got to overcome hypocrisy in a day when there's so much of it, so much looseness, so much lack of faithfulness and dedication to the cause. The Holy Spirit of God is dealing with us about that, friends. I believe as Daniel and the three Hebrew children in the midst of a wicked environment can live pure before God and we can see the power of God and the presence of the fourth man walking with us through the fire. If we make that our determination and our dedication. He has reminded us that we're going to see him again. He's going to ask certain accountability from us. And his eyes, like a flame of fire, will burn right through us. What do you say we deal with it today? None of us walk out of here as a hypocrite. Let's walk out of here as true blue Christians. What do you say? We just get right down to bedrock and say, I'm not going to pretend to be something I am not. I'm sick of that. I'm so tired of that. I want to be what God knows I ought to be. And I make that my dedication on this Lord's Day. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, it is with burning hearts that we bow before you today 
asking for your help. We know that we have sinned, but we also know there's forgiveness. And we seek your face for the forgiveness, the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ over our sins, our hypocrisies. Deal with us all. May out of this meeting there come a sense of holiness and direction that we've not known before. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, my heart yearns for people to be saved and to know Christ. As